0: let's go welcome to pinterest and seo marketing you are also welcome to the facebook group as well where we're in conversations with rich and rich just showed up hey rich how are you
1: hey favor how's it going
0: i'm good i'm good good to see you again it's been
1: yeah you as well thanks for having me back i'm excited to do this
0: anytime anytime hope you had a great time as well out there Oh yeah, (laughs) I had a a nice vacation, good to be back That's amazing, good to see you again Welcome Arjun and also welcome SWAC, it's good to see you guys here Um, Today we are going to be having a fully fledged room talking about technical SEO versus on-page SEO essentials And it's going to be a very exciting conversation we're going to be having today Just because there are some things that we need to understand how to do as a business and as a platform and at the same time know how to access this kind of information when it sounds like it's a lot of you know jargon so i want to really simplify it for you today and rich was here uh, a couple of months ago had an amazing discussion with him and we have another one yet today so i would love for you to you know introduce yourself rich and let us know who you are what you do and we can get to the discussion today as you guys can ping friends Sounds
1: good. So, yeah, hey everyone, I'm Rich. Uh, I'm an applications engineer at SEMrush. So, for those who haven't heard of SEMrush, we're an online visibility, like digital marketing platform. Um, basic explanation is we give site owners the data and insights to help them get discovered, help them get their name out there. And uh, with SEMrush, I help oversee the curriculum, the training curriculum for our sales team in terms of industry and our product and i do some pre-sales work so i work with clients to help them find custom solutions within our software and uh i, I think i give a couple of caveats to start uh i'm not here on behalf of the company so like you know my views are gonna be my own and i'm definitely a little bit biased because i work with our software and i think it's pretty great but uh i'm here to really talk about concepts and stuff like theory behind it and, and ways you can get accomplished without a software like semrush um and one more thing i've never done seo i've never I mean, little stuff here and there, but I'm more so very strong on the theory, and I've spoken with a lot of marketing experts on how they've accomplished these tasks. So I'm very strong on theory, and I'm really excited to talk about it today and help, uh, you know, break it down to digestible concepts for sure.
0: Amazing. Thank you, Rich, for highlighting that. You know, as soon as you said, I don't do SEO, I got like an eyeball, like (laughs) looking at you, like, what? So tell me the difference between the theory. And the actual SEO bit because some people get it confused and I really want to make it simple for sure
1: Uh, well I've worked with a few sites so a couple friends of mine have a website Uh, my cousin has a website for his business but you know I'm not an in-house marketer by practice so my day-to-day job isn't going in crunching the data optimizing a website Um, I'm here to stay on basically my role I have to stay on top of the industry I have to figure out what's working, what people are doing, things that Google's changing over time, and, um, you know, highlight that curriculum or update our teams with that curriculum so everyone stays up to date and knows how to accomplish these different pain points within the industry. I think when it comes to the task like SEO, there's no, like, one short list of things that have to be accomplished. SEO is largely, you know, uh, find the best practices, find what works for your website and work to improve that over time it's it's much like a marathon rather than a sprint that's how i would describe it
0: i love that description and analogy because it makes a lot of sense and helps people to know what they need to do with their websites what they need to do with their content pillars and what they also need to do with their distribution so as we're in here today guys just wanted to quickly let you know that if you go to my instagram Just you'll see a poll, the very last story, and that's gonna be removed at the end of this room. But this replay is gonna be available in the club, which is the very first replay of the club, which I'm excited for on a Monday. So this is gonna be really, really hot. So if you guys want to know more about this, please make sure you go to my Instagram and then the very last story, choose one of the options, whether it's technical or on page SEO that you're curious about. And I would love to, you know, tell you guys more about it. So rich you know you've talked about the theory the theory and sometimes people love theory and people love practical but sometimes people can apply the practical best practices when the theory is not like fully understood or had like a a full proof of concept so tell us more about the technical seo bit and the on-page seo bit and why they're important for them for people to actually focus on both and not neglect
1: love it uh, so I look at it this way, I think technical is more about your site itself. It's being mindful of how Google works and how, you know, visitors to your site work. It's the idea that you need to cater uh, to Google's bots. You need to cater to people that are impatient nowadays and want a fast load speed. They want to find the best content. Um, they don't want to encounter broken pages. So technical is really, it sounds intimidating, but there's a lot of easy steps there. Uh, which we can get into later of, of how to take advantage of that stuff. But it's really like make your site polished. And on-page is more about content is the way I look at it. So what do you actually have on your site? Um, what's your you know on-page optimization in terms of simple tags where you can put keywords that you want to show up for and really catering to the user at the end of the day. Um, when we talk about like theory of SEO versus practice, I think the easiest way to look at theory is understanding that Google's a business and your business trying to show up on Google. You need to align yourself with the goal of Google, which is to give users the best possible experience they can have. And that involves having a technically sound site and that involves having very strong content that Google can
0: promote. Now, you have highlighted something that is really important to a lot of people. You know, Google wants to suggest the best suggestion to the best user searching for that feature or that featured snippet. So when you're technically creating your SEO and sometimes, you know, people just want to post content, distribute content and not think about the technical parts, sometimes which is understandable because not everyone has to, you know, go through that process of understanding the theory. But how easy can someone take this information And not feel like it's too daunting for them to even start the process in the first
1: that's a good point i i think it's really breaking it down to the simple parts first um when we talk about technical seo i always advise looking at page structure first so ensuring you're not you don't have a bunch of broken pages on your site that's like step one um if there's a bunch of internal links on your website to other pages on your site. You don't want people clicking on them and getting to dead ends. You don't want Google's bots clicking on them and getting to dead ends. So that's kind of step one, your technical optimization, clean up the junk, clean up the broken pages there. Um, The second thing to look at, and it's becoming a lot more prominent with that core web vitals update, which sounds very daunting, but it's, it's not as bad as it seems, is all about speed. So user experience in the term, in the sense of does your site load fast enough? Um, I've seen a lot of studies, uh, especially from a mobile user, where like speed is like the most important thing for a mobile web sur- surfer. Um, I always explain it as like gone are the days of a little AOL man running across the computer for 10 minutes, uh, <laughs> you know, waiting to get to a website. It's We're used to convenience. Uh, I know personally, if I wait for, if I try to go to a website and it takes longer than three seconds, I'm going back to Google and finding another website. And I think most users, especially those on a mobile phone, would agree with that. So taking a look at your web speed, um, again, there's lots of free resources out there like Pingdom, Google Page uh, Speed Insights that can basically audit you, show you how you're doing and give you some steps on how you can improve that. So we break it down to like broken pages, site speed. I think a third one to be mindful of, especially with more e-commerce type sites, sites where you want users to give you information, you should really look into an SSL certificate or making your site uh, HTTPS, which means it's secure. Um, You're encrypting all information that comes from a user to your server. And again, that's not as complicated as it sounds. Most hosting providers can provide that. You know, it'll be an additional fee, but it's something that's gonna help you make stronger user experience in terms of trust. And it can also be a ranking factor. So I was gonna look at three things for technical SEO for someone getting started. Those are the three I would start with for sure.
0: I love that you mentioned Google bots because you know we don't think that Google actually crawls our websites and yet they do and sometimes when Google bots actually realize that you know there is a site that is being featured here talking about a certain topic then Google actually alerts the user by suggesting that featured article or featured snippet so sometimes when we think about it we realize that okay you know we're going to on page SEO but Technically, you know, the hero images that you have in your favicon, the the file names that you have in your images, you know, all these things that we keep talking about, people kind of bypass them and then come back to them later, which is fine because as Google changes their algorithm eight times a day, you can still be able to capitalize on that optimization feature. But the thing is that sometimes people get that report on, let's say, you know, Lighthouse and they, when they get a response they like oh oh i don't know what to do red light red light i don't know what to say i don't know how to you know communicate this further and then they now get stuck and then the moment they get stuck their creativity gets stuck in the process so is there a way that people can get that data report and then get it fixed or do they have to go through like youtube university to figure out how to best suit their problem without being too Financially strained Because that's usually One of the problems That people have When it comes to You know Making these Dynamic decisions When they know That they they Were not prepared
1: Yeah that's a good point I I think it depends I mean one If I'm starting A new website I'm going to focus On content first um, And then look At my page speeds Page speed reports And try to improve that Um, Nine times out of ten It's usually Not a big enough issue That's really Going to hold you back Unless you're throwing a bunch of stuff on the page, you have tons of images, you have interactive GIFs that are just kind of unnecessary and are extra files that are gonna slow down that load speed. I think it's not as crucial of a problem to really get worried about. I think things like having strong content are gonna make a bigger difference initially. Um, With that being said, I think YouTube, Google University is great for getting some tips on how to improve that stuff. Um, But I think there's simple ways, like you mentioned, image optimization. Like, there's simple ways to, like, code your images to load. There's lots of plugins out there, depending on if you're using WordPress or uh, Wix or other site builders like that. You know, there's plugins that can help you optimize the loading of your images to speed that stuff up. So I think it depends. I really wouldn't get into the weeds and get overwhelmed about a lot of stuff unless you really see that there's a problem with something like, like you mentioned, um, Google White House wrong there and seeing there's an issue then yeah work on it but for nine times nine times out of ten like the average website owner i would focus on content most heavily and then take a look at the technical there
0: i love that you highlighted the content piece because as google is suggesting content to the user then the experience has to match up with the context of their search so if someone has an image and they've optimized it for search and they end up on google images for example because their article is ranking on google then that image is also kind of like a lead in a way even though it's not necessarily as opposed to like you know another image that you could find anywhere on the internet but because google has crawled your website and has seen a site map and has actually tracked through that process to find that image which actually represents what you're talking about really helps and now you you've talked about you know focusing on content which is now the on page seo part of it because when you think about on page there's also off page seo which is a totally different discussion for another day but on page seo is really important for people to understand but they don't also notice like you said with wordpress and wix that for your content to be ranked even shopify squarespace wordpress You know, just to name a few, if you're thinking about, let's say using the Yoast SEO on, on WordPress. Right. And some people don't know that there's a meta title and there's a meta description, but there's also a way that your content is being indexed by Google. Why do people tend to forget that SEO bit? Because you know, Google will automatically pick the first few characters from your text. And if those, like, text brackets that you're creating don't have those long-tail keywords that you're supposed to research on are not there, then you could be losing out on a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of search visibility. So how does someone pay attention to those things without thinking too hard about the technicals?
1: Great point. I love that you brought up long-tail keywords, so I can touch on that in a second as well. But I think if there's one thing everyone in this clubhouse can walk away with it's the terms title, meta description, and H1 tag or header tag. Because I've spoken with a lot of people in the industry in SEO and I've heard it described as hey, like once you build your site up, a lot of SEO is just optimizing those tags, which means like a title is if you look at a Google search and basically the title is like the blue text there. It's like the the site owner is gonna code that and it's what's displayed to the searcher giving them a taste of what that article is about. Um, you should put the keyword in your title tag. The meta description is that little blurb under the ranking. And again, it gives like a summary. Um, It's important for Google in terms of, you should have the keyword there as well, so Google understands that's what that page is about. But also for searchers, it gives them a taste of what that article is about. Should they click on that link? Is that gonna give them the answer they're looking for? And then finally, those H1s or header tags, as they're called, Um, those are like subtitles within an article. So, if you go to a page and you see like bolded text at the top of the page, that's usually an H1 tag, and that's an SEO signal as well. You should put the keyword there. So, a lot of SEO is just simple things like that. You mentioned Yoast SEO. I think that's a great plugin to take care of this stuff really quickly, where you can just basically get this done for all the, um, your content pillars, essentially all the pages that you're trying to optimize for certain keywords. That's like step one get the keyword there, and then, you know, you know, you did the foundational stuff, at least. Um, You mentioned the term long tail keywords. I think that's a very important concept for people to understand. And noting that, you know, if I give an example of like, let's say you're a lawyer and you're making a website for your law practice, it's gonna be really, really difficult to rank for the keyword lawyer. There's a lot of competition nowadays. Um, You can buy domains like lawyer.com or cars.com. There's so many websites that have content That can rank for that keyword so if you're just getting started like just getting started just starting to build your content you need to find more low-hanging fruit opportunities and that often can be found in the form of these long tail keywords which are just longer search queries they're just more specific terms that searchers are looking for that you have a chance to rank for so i think a lot of seo as well or a good strategy is to go in a little bit more strategic in that regard to find some more specific keywords that are more tailored to your service um, that are really what your direct audience or your ideal audience can be searching. And then going through and setting your title, setting your metas, setting your h one, and then working on some solid content that gives that searcher an answer or provides value to that potential customer.
0: I love that you highlighted that long tail keyword strategy, because, you know, we know about the head term keywords, we have seed keywords, you know, we have all this short term keywords. There are so many types of them. And then people just get overwhelmed. They're like, ah, I don't want to do it. So it's like, they want to focus on those long tail keywords, but without kind of spoiling their user intent, which is really what they want to create an experience from. So... Now that you've mentioned this, it really struck like a light bulb in my head when you said this. Now I was thinking about volume, cost per click, and SEO difficulty. So just to break it down for you guys, like volume is like how many times somebody's searching for that word or keyword in a month. And the cost per click is how much that word could potentially cost if, let's say, it was being run on a Google ad, for example. And then the SEO difficulty is, based on your domain authority or based on the search that you're creating how strong is that keyword is it like you like the way you said lawyer like lawyer probably would have an seo difficulty of maybe 90 for example which is really hard to rank but if you're thinking about let's say you know that's another long tail keyword like lawyers near me or lawyers that help with this practice you know you get an seo difficulty of like 30 for example but the word lawyer is still there so do what do people need to look out for is it high cost per click high search volume low seo difficulty um, i'm just giving you one one like one hypothetical statement piece so how does someone look at this pla- um platforms like you know i use uber suggest pro for example and i know you talked about semrush and people usually say oh yeah this volume searches are very different you can't really you know trigger them you can't really depend on them because it's a vanity metrics but sometimes you don't really know what the metric is if you don't value that actual you know metric that you're seeing so how does someone equate or say okay if i want to use this keyword because of this feature or this potential feature how can i be able to leverage the platform and not like take 100 keywords trying to rank for one if that
1: That's a good point. Uh, A couple ways to approach that. I think one, search volume doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, obviously, if a keyword has a higher volume, that's a bigger audience that you can cater to. So there's more potential payoff for sure. But you need to think about what does your site do? What is your business? You know, even if you have a search volume of, let's say, 50 people a month, it's very low, but let's say you can get 10 of those people to your site and five of them convert. What does that mean for you as a business owner? So that's kind of how you need to think about keyword research. It's not just like one and done. It's it's trickling in over time. Um, in terms of those metrics like CPC and difficulty, I think those are awesome to look at. I mean, my go-to for a newer business is to go for lower difficulty for sure because those are the ones where you have a chance to get on that first page of Google or a more realistic chance. Um, when it comes to SEO, we kind of skimmed over this, but it's all about being on that first page. I mean, really in the top three positions on Google, that's where searchers go. There's a lot of studies out there that show like, if a searcher doesn't find what they needed on that first page, they tend to retype their Google search. And usually in the form of a long tail keyword, something that's more specific so that they can try to get those results that come up right there on the first page. So I think lower difficulty is the way to go. Uh, CPC is an interesting one because you know it's specific to advertising. Um, which is a, definitely a good um, channel for a business, especially an e-commerce business. But if you're trying to work on your SEO, you can still leverage that with the mindset of, if a keyword has a higher CPC, there's usually a reason for that. People are willing to pay for that keyword, which means that keyword probably drives transactions. It probably has a solid ROI. So if you can find keywords that have a relatively high CPC and a relatively low keyword density or keyword difficulty, I think those are gold mines because they're easier to get SEO visibility for and people are willing to pay to play for those terms so if you can get established there those are the keywords that can really start driving some revenue for yeah. you um, easier said than done but that's how I look at it
0: Sorry. no you just literally I thought about something as you were speaking because I was doing some research earlier today and I noticed that for example Pinterest marketing and I think Pinterest marketing course no pinterest marketing webinars yes that's what i'm looking for the webinar is like the long tail keyword piece it has like i think it's about a thousand in search volume but the cpc is like 70 something dollars which is absurd like you don't even see that on a normal day so i was like if if people are looking for webinars about pinterest marketing for example then The way I should be answering their question should be possibly in the people also ask section, which is a H2 tag reference. So how does someone take that one word and say, okay, if I have 10 people searching for this, or if I have a thousand people searching for this per month, but this cost per click, this CPC is really high. Do you want to, you know how they say demand and supply, you have to really know the business, you know, economics and weighing of scale and everything like that. So if if you think about your, your plan and how you want to like scale this you know to the next level are you should you be focusing on the CPC because of the way it's really high in demand with low supply or focus on the volume and feed the people that actually need that
1: it depends Um, I think it depends on the business model it depends on the specific keyword but if I see if I see a low volume and a high CPC I mean that makes me think That CPC wouldn't be high unless people were willing to pay for it. So that means, although it's, you know, less um, broad of a search, there's less people overall searching that. That's a very actionable audience searching that keyword. So those are people more likely to convert. And if you have a chance to rank for that organically, I I would focus on it. Just from the standpoint of it's probably working for these businesses. It's probably going to drive that ROI that I'm looking for. Um, when it comes to search volume, I mean, you're fishing in a bigger pond, but I think higher search volume often comes with higher SEO difficulty as well. But if you can find those keywords that have a relatively high volume and a relatively low difficulty, absolutely. I think those are ones that at least get your brand name out there, even if they're not very transactional keywords, even if there's are more top of the funnel type searchers that are just generally looking for an answer or really aren't very far in a buyer's journey going to go a long way in terms of brand awareness and getting yourself out there well so i think both are definitely worth it it's just i think a different type of searcher going back to that idea of a top of the funnel type keyword i think keywords with very high cpc tend to be bottom of the funnel type keywords um keywords that people are closer to making a purchase for so again you might get a stronger roi for return if you put in work optimizing for the
0: That's amazing. Thank you for highlighting that because I've been really thinking about how to make sure that you don't feel overwhelmed by the volume and be more focused on the result and the process and how people can actually understand what you're saying without overwhelming them. Because, you know, when you're writing an article, it's usually advised to write an article that's in like, let's say fifth grade, sixth grade or seventh grade level so that it's very easy to understand and digest so that it's not looking like a case study or a print-on-demand kind of feature that, you know, has to have so many, so much complexity into it. So the long tail keywords are great. And you've mentioned something about transactional keywords. So I want to touch on that just a little bit because, you know, we have commercial keywords as well that we can think about, but sometimes people don't put this commercial or transactional or even navigational keywords into their meta description or their titles. So is that a bad thing if they don't do it or that doesn't allow them to go through because some people end up first page on Google or the first top three, but they don't get a click because there was not, there's nothing transactional about it or there's nothing navigational about it. So can you touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you really just highlighted a, a major piece of SEO there where it's like, SEO is not just about optimizing for Google so that you rank highly for a keyword. It's also optimizing for clicks. So understanding that, you know, you want to stand out to that searcher. If they look for that keyword and you got in that high spot, you know, you might be in the top three positions, but there's two other people there in the top three positions that can just as easily get that click as you. So like we said before, that title tag, that meta description, putting the keywords there that Are kind of a call to action for that searcher if it's a transactional keyword where someone's looking for best x near me or cheapest whatever solution near me you should cater to that somewhere in the meta description you should call out call that out should have that keyword there um usps unique sales propositions like free shipping on orders over $50 or you know, a bunch of like other promos that you're running. These are all things that can catch that searcher's attention and might drive them to actually take that next step of clicking, coming to your website where they can then enter your funnel and hopefully convert and buy your products. So I, I just think that's a major piece of SEO people don't always think about where it's like you're not just catering to Google, you want to stand out to these searchers as well and draw those eyes to you and get those clicks so they can actually come to
0: thank you so much for highlighting that and clarifying that point because I I tend to see a lot of you know focus on those commercial keywords like best top ultimate you know they they, they make sense but you can have the ultimate guide to ABC but your on-page SEO or your technical SEO is terrible and sometimes if you have bad technical SEO your on-page SEO doesn't work so, I know today is a versus between technical and on-page, which is really kind of unfair, <laughs> but what would you say is a better place to start and a better place to sustain as a business, technical or on-page?
1: It's tough because they blend together. Um, I think on-page is easiest to start. So you mentioned like, you, you know, you can have the best ultimate guide to X or whatever solution, like you can. That takes the most time, I think putting in like the time and effort to actually craft strong content is it's time consuming um so i think that's where the majority of the focus should go but then it comes down to for sure optimizing for technical so like we said before those little things like broken links i'm sure your website doesn't have a lot of you know Google's bot isn't clicking through your site and finding garbage and broken links and dead ends um and then that page speed and that ultimate guide you have if it's taking like five seconds to load for a web browser, not many people are going to read it. Uh, they're going to bounce. They're going to find someone else. So be mindful of that. So I think after you create that good content, it's going in and seeing like, okay, what do my stats look like? Um, if I see a problem, that's when I would dive in and go to fix that. But I'm not starting from scratch at least. I don't need to go and rewrite my ultimate guide to SEO. I just need to you know, run some ping reports Maybe watch a YouTube video on image optimization, but I think that's a lot easier to resolve than actually going through the steps of creating solid content that people are going to find value in.
0: Thank you for highlighting that. It, it now makes me think about you know the experience and how people want to connect with the with the audience. And sometimes people forget about branding. You know, when you think about an article, it's literally the headline that counts. And you don't want to have a headline that is above a certain character limit, you know, which is usually an optimal performance ranking feature or factor. So when you're thinking about creating this content pillars, how strong is a call to action in your meta description if it's there and if it's not there? I know they can both rank on Google, but impressions can also lead to clicks But if you don't get a click, it means that you didn't impress that person well enough. So how can you be able to leverage those?
1: No, that's a good point. Uh, You know, I don't think it's an end all be all, but I do think it makes a difference. Um, I've been a part of a couple studies where we looked at uh, SEO AB testing, which is basically for bigger brands. They would break pillars of their content into a control and variable group and then make changes to their meta description. And oftentimes few of these tests were just adding a usp to the meta description so something like free shipping on orders over 50 and for the majority of these tests they found a difference um you know it might not have been three times the clicks four times the clicks but like a 20 30 increase in clicks overall so it might not make you super successful overnight but i think it's the kind of thing that will make a difference and again with with seo you need to look at it not like what's going to drive thousands of visitors to my site overnight, but how can I get five extra people to my site this week or this month? Like that's the building blocks. That's the marathon nature of SEO that I think people need to be mindful of. It's, it takes time to build this stuff up, but it's a, it's a gradual process that you need to see.
0: Thank you. This is helpful a lot because you know, some people find this really hard to understand, but you're really breaking it down for them to know the, the difference and the factors that actually count. Because what one thing you said right now is, if you're getting more visitors per day, then that's a good thing as opposed to getting no visitors at all. And for you to get a visitor, you need to be on that first page. And sometimes people go to the second page or the third page, but they only do that if they're really desperate for that information and they can't find it. <laughs> and sometimes if you don't find a result that quick, like you said, you're just going to drop off and that increases someone's bounce rate because they were not able to, you know, fulfill that. Just like clicking on a, th- a YouTube thumbnail that you think you're going to get all the answers and then you start seeing something that's totally different from what you actually are looking for because nobody wants to waste their time. So when you now think about, you know, combining all these assets as I may call it, you know, for SEO it starts to play a role in how you can be able to stay in control of your content and also in control of the user experience you're creating for your you know for your audience so i i think the best way you know we can really bring this you know really really down to a bare minimum is to find out how can we apply this concept across the website because if you're thinking about a blog for example right every web page on your website is an independent link or independent landing page so to speak and sometimes you know for you to end up on the home page or for someone to find your content then that on-page seo also has to be somewhere around your pieces of content because it's a sitemap. but it gets really critical when there's no consideration for that kind of optimization especially when they don't know where to place it on the website, you know, on the website, you can have, you know, pictures all over FAQs here. You know, some great featured snippets that also Google recommends, but some people don't know where to place them. So would you be focusing more on trying to fix those things? Because, you know, optimization can allow you to get better and that allows you to end up even getting more indexes and more crawling to your website compared to Focusing on that one blog, trying to rank it on Google and forgetting the rest of the web.
1: No, that's that's a really good point. Uh, it, it depends, again, I think on the business model and the site structure. I think blogs are easiest to get some SEO success with. I mean, there's a, you're going to, I mean, I say it a lot. Content's king when it comes to SEO, but people say like a broken record in the industry. But it's, it's true. I show examples for like e-commerce sites. Um, I did with my last training class, we, we looked at a keyword like best, best fishing lore near me or, or just best fishing lore. And you look at the SERP or the search engine results page for that. And you have Amazon right at the top, of course, because they own pretty much every e-commerce keyword out there. But then under that, there's a blog post. Here's the 10 best fishing lures. Under that, here's the best 25 fishing lures. Here's the best freshwater versus saltwater fishing numbers. So it's an e-commerce transactional keyword where you would think product pages would rank, yet Google's showing content. So I think blogs make a big difference, but when it comes to your overall site structure, you should be doing this for every page on your site. Every product page you have, let's say you're selling you know, custom t-shirts, The keyword custom t-shirt or, you know, a more specific long tail keyword about what type of custom t-shirt should be in that title tag. It should be in that meta description and should have it in an H1. So you should do these things on every page of your site. But you should be mindful that you're probably going to see the biggest impact on those blog type pages. Those, you know, more long form content that's more um, adding value to a searcher and giving answers to an audience that wants an answer
0: that actually hits home, because now the questions that are being answered are the questions that are being referred to by Google to the person who's gonna look for them next. Because like, if you click on fresh water versus salty water, for example, and somebody else clicks on the best five or the best 25, and there's this theory, and correct me if I'm wrong, but odd numbers do better than even numbers, which is still kind of shocking to me, but I see it work. So when people start thinking about applying that context across their pages, does this become like a brand structure, you know, just by default? Or is the user experience really going to help when you look at the Google Search Console for that kind of impression performance?
1: That's a good point. I've heard of that concept, the odd numbers perform better than even. And I I mean, I kind of see it out there it's it seems like you know we have a lot of tools in semros to like break down here's the articles being written about this concept and i do see that a lot of, like 15 5 3 uh they definitely seem to be a little bit more prominent there um i, I think on that note and looking at like headline research and what it's it's very helpful to understand like what's already out there and use that to your advantage as a site of so if, if i'm trying to create content about You know the best fishing lure near me what else are people writing about um what's already covered what's already doing well how can i take these ideas and apply them to my to my own site if i see everyone's writing about the best three or best five fishing lures I should probably follow suit um you mentioned like the people also ask in questions on the surf like i think it's a really good practice to incorporate that on the blog post i'm writing about um, and again, I think those are things that can help you show up in those search features, but also cater to the audience that's asking that question as well. So you're kind of taking that like next step potentially for those searchers. Um, <clears throat> we can get in, into it in a bit, but another concept I love with like blogs and site structure is something HubSpot wrote a lot about. Um, God, it's probably been like a year or so at this point, but the idea of content pillars that you brought up. So if I'm selling like fishing lures, I'm going to make like a whole strategy for my site around fishing lures. So I'm going to have like product pages in there, I'm going to have core content about that, but then I'll also make other sub-content pages about maybe problems or questions people are asking around this topic. So things like, you know, what's the difference between a freshwater fishing lure versus a saltwater fishing lure? Or, you know, other potential um, questions an audience might have that I can give an answer to that's going to basically increase my site authority uh, for that topic overall
0: oh yeah definitely it makes a lot of sense because even the people also ask section i believe is a h2 tag reference or heading two because those questions are being asked and those questions are already on somebody's website but sometimes you know like how you let's say for example you have four questions people also ask when you get to the fourth one a fifth one shows up then you get to sixth one a seventh one shows up so it keeps going down like a rabbit hole to the point where you actually get tired of searching and you actually get your results because people like to compare results before they make an informed decision about what they're trying to do, you know, you know, at the end of their search or at the end of their buying journey. So you mentioned a lot about site structure, which is important. And do you think it's better for people to have it in an internal link structure where like they click on something and they go straight to another page that refers them to something that they are looking for? Which increases a watch time, or have an external link where they can now purchase whatever they are looking for—that is maybe an affiliate or something on Amazon, for example, or just a landing page that somebody else also owns as a referral.
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I think largely depends on the business model. Um, I think being mindful—we talked about there too of the buyer's journey as well. Um, maybe both. You know, maybe if it's like a very top of the funnel type keyword, like what's the best, and then you have additional pieces of content that drill deeper, like other questions that people are gonna ask before they make a purchase um, that you know, you know, through keyword research that you know, a lot of people have the same question that you can address there. But I think if it's a more bottom of the funnel comparison type article and like what's the best, that could be a good time to just place those external links right then and there, like right about each of those uh, products that you're referring to and you know hopefully at that point if you're putting good content there it can lead to that conversion on the external site if if you're one of those affiliate sites that uh, gets a kickback on commission from those sales but for like a regular e-commerce site where you're selling your own products maybe i i think doing both like having learn more type pages there but also links to your own products where they can go and take that next step if they're interested if you caught their attention um with that piece of
0: content yeah i agree so too because that really changes somebody's process because the more you write and or the more you display the the more accessible you are of course and of course the the more they trust you because you know if you have one blog that's ranking and there's nothing else that's ranking on your website it's kind of like okay so what are you doing with your time or what are you doing with this content piece because you know i noticed that you know if an article is doing really well then tendency is that they want to have other related articles so they can support each other and then interlink them back to the one that's already top performing because Google is going to crawl it and look for other referring domains or referring links as well. So you're right, you know, technical and on-page, they are both as important, you know, for internal and external linking because that way you're not so focused on, you know, trying to stuff all your keywords into one article. But as long as somebody is getting that information piece, it makes a lot of sense. And you know you mentioned about the long tail keywords early in the size structure and this really caught my attention and I wanted to know what your thoughts are. you know if you think about the h2 tags, where you're answering the who, the what, the why, the five W's and 1h, for example. now when Google responds to that question, Sometimes, and I've noticed this and I, it just caught my eye and I was like, this is weird. Like the H2 tag will have the information. And then let's say you have three paragraphs or so let's say you have five paragraphs, for example, but Google doesn't pick your first paragraph and probably picks the fourth one. So just because maybe you repeated that keyword or because it was a long tail phrase that you were able to like reference back, how does that play a role in your site structure? Because if you don't place, let's say, a YouTube video at the top of your article and place it somewhere towards the bottom, that might change your ranking position just because of the way the crawling goes, you know, when Google bots are also checking out your site. So what's the best practice for people to pay attention to when they're trying to structure?
1: No, that's, that's a good point with this type of SERP features like that people also ask or um, the other one that's big is the, the featured snippet where it's like right at the top of the SERP. Google basically give that uh, excerpt from your site that they think answers the question. It's tough. I mean, I've heard schema playing into it. I think that's not always the case. That's a little bit too technical for most site owners. But I think the golden rule is being like clear and concise with the paragraphs there. Um, For those H2 people also ask, I think it's, again, concise, um, putting that long tail keyword there so that, you know, Google is going to want to display that. And for featured snippets, sometimes it comes down to how you're actually displaying it. And what I mean by that is, does it need to be a paragraph or versus like a list, a table, if it's more like product spec type things? So it's being mindful of like what Google is looking for for that. And a lot of that can be keyword research. It can be searching the keyword yourself and seeing what they're displaying. Um, this goes into, I think a major facet. Of, of SEO or just marketing in general with this competitive research. And that's not always like going right to the site, but it's going to Google and being like, all right, who's out here? Who's winning? What are they doing? And then what ideas can I take for myself? What can I borrow and what can I make better? Um, so I think having that mindset of, of what's working, what can I try is the way to go because it's going to be different in, in a lot
0: of cases. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, there are so many pieces to the puzzle when you're creating content for Google But more importantly, your images could actually help as well. I noticed something really different. When you have a hero image and that image is a wrong pixel size or the pixel format, it could hurt your your ranking. And it's, it's actually surprising to know because those pictures that are being seen, whether they're stock images or royalty free, or you actually took them and it's your own copyright IP, then it could change a lot for people because people are visual and if they see something that they like maybe that's their favorite color or maybe that's you know something that they're used to seeing it can really help with them staying on there but you mentioned about like you know making sure those long tail keywords are there now with the hero images and with the alt text you know you talked about schema as well you know and people are looking for things near them and you're, you're getting the best geotag location right next to your your address or your county or your zip code, those things actually change your dynamics because what I'm searching for may be different from what you get as a search result on the SERP. So to stay ahead of the game, especially when you have a, a site that is so fresh and maybe your domain authority is a one, how can you be able to use other internal links or external links to leverage your authority on the app you know, because I, I talk about Pinterest here a lot and how you can be able to use that domain authority leverage as a business owner. But sometimes people don't even have that featured asset to, you know, create that experience. So, what do they have to think about so that they don't feel like they're being overly, you know, overwhelmed with the information and not doing anything about what they're. Supposed- That's a good point. Um, coming apart, so like. Pinterest, social
1: media, that all blends into SEO. Um, there's some people in the industry that argue like, no, as social media doesn't affect your SEO, but I've seen a lot of studies that argue that it does. I think it does. Um, so I think being active on those platforms, at least as a form of like content marketing and getting your stuff out there to another audience, I think will start to make a difference with your SEO. Um, Sam Rush did a study probably been like two years or so now, on like ranking factors. And we found that just like site traffic made a big difference. So a lot of people argue that like backlinks are most important for SEO. Those are tough to get. Um, that's something you can have a largely content driven approach. And what I mean by that is I'm going to put good stuff out there and it's going to be so good that people are going to reference it. Um, that can be images to your point. So like, let's say I'm a, you know, I'm a marketing site, I'm an agency and I'm, I'm, doing this. I'm explaining to people how to do marketing. I might create some infographics out there that are they're cool. They're captivating. They get people's attention. And if people start to link to that and their content, well, that's a backlink I'm now getting to my site. That's going to work on increasing my authority over time. So backlinks are an important piece. I think there's easy ways to go about it, but that takes some time to really get established. So I think taking advantage of other platforms like Pinterest, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, getting on like content write ups on other external blocks that can reference your stuff and drive people to your site will make a big difference in terms of your authority. So again, Semra's found that like having more traffic to your site led to stronger SEO. So I think taking advantage of those extra channels besides just Google where you can get traffic will start, will help you in the long run. We'll start to make.
0: Yeah, I believe so, too, because, you know, once you're getting used to a certain type of structure, it kind of helps Google to understand that you're serious about what you're posting. And it also gives them a reason to suggest your content to the person who needs it the most, knowing that there is some type of structure or some type of relevance, because we always talk about the relevant score, you know, which could be always up or down, depending on what you're doing with your content pieces. So that really helps. And I really appreciate you for you know, highlighting that, especially from a transactional point of view, whereby people are looking for quick answers, but they don't want to look too far deep to find that same answer that they could have found on the first page. So if we can break it down for the people, because we have about one more minute to, be, to get to 10 minutes to the top of the hour. And if you have any questions, the hand raising is open to everyone. So feel free to raise your hand and welcome, you know, just come to stage and come to, just come and have a discussion with us because we're talking about these things, but you may have a question that is probably unanswered after what we've discussed today. So feel free to raise your hand, but five minutes to the top of the hour, I'll be closing off the hand raising so that we can be able to wrap up. So Rich, could you just break down for us, cause we've talked about technical, we've talked about on page, and there are a lot of things that people don't know It's because it's so deep into the, into the traffic, into the search, but could you just break it down for us in at least like two minutes on how you can be able to focus on your technical, your on-page without hiring an SEO person, for example, but you might need to do one anyways, but just for you to have that sanity and that clear scope. So that you can actually be able to have a good playing field for your business then we'll go to Israel.
1: cool um I think on page is easiest to approach yourself I think that comes down to being an expert at what you do uh you know your business better than anyone else so provide that value out to your audience so that comes with creating good content we've talked a lot about questions and giving people answers so that's where a keyword research tool can come in handy. I mean, you can do this yourself on Google. You can do this by just knowing your audience and understanding what problems you usually hear from your clients that you can put out there on the web, that you can answer in the form of solid content. So when it comes to on-page, it's, it's good content. It's those tags we've talked about, like the title tag, the meta tag, the H1, the H2 Again, that's it's not complicated. There's plugins out there like Yoast SEO that make it really easy. And it's just being strategic. If I create a blog post about music using fishing lures a lot, but let's say I sell fishing lures and the best saltwater fishing lures, I'm going to put that keyword in my title, my meta description, my H1. Um, and then I'm going to create good content. I'm going to put it on the body of that content as well. So on page, I think you can do yourself. Um, technical... There's, look, there's a lot of very overwhelming facets of it. Uh, there's a lot of code-heavy stuff that I'm not good at, and it's overwhelming to me. But I think there's simple ways to approach it. I think just taking a good look at your site structure, ensuring there's not broken pages there. There's lots of tools out there, I mean, SEMrush included, where you can crawl your site and find issues that are there. If you find broken pages, again, there's plugins that can help you take care of this. You can either get rid of it, or you can redirect it, uh, which is again a a google search can explain that pretty well Um, and a lot of hosting providers make that easy through plugins and stuff but cleaning up the broken pages is huge then i'd say take a look at site speed because it's becoming more important with that google core web vitals update Um, so again there's a lot of low-hanging opportunities there there's a lot of plugins there that can help with that oftentimes image optimization goes a long way and then finally with that technical it's probably that SSL certificate I talked about before. If you're an e-commerce site, I really, really, really recommend getting an SSL certificate. It's gonna make your site secure. That's something your searchers or your clients are gonna be looking for. Um, If anyone's not sure what that is, a simple way is if you go to a website and you see that little padlock in the top left corner of a URL, that's Google telling you, the searcher or the customer, that that site you're on is secure. And that means if you give them your credit card information, you're fine. You don't gotta worry about anything. So you as a site owner should do that for just the trust you're building with your customer, but also that's a ranking factor. And uh, again, lots of plugins out there and and hosting providers really usually offer that. They make it pretty easy to do. So all in all, I know that was kind of a tangent, but I'd say start with the on-page, create good content, and then go in and look at your technical and do the easy stuff first. If you find there's major problems, you know you could hire a freelancer from one off job here and there and you know some people i like the nerd nerd out in this stuff uh i you know i didn't go to school for this i went to google university i watched a lot of youtube videos i read a lot of articles so i think a lot of this stuff isn't as complicated as it sounds there's a lot of good content out there that walks you through it um but yeah that would be my my advice
0: thank you so much rich for just bringing so much value to our discussion today and the pinterest and seo marketing club where we've been able to inspire, educate, and empower people with knowledge just so they can be able to learn better about their way about, you know, of trying to get better on the platforms that mean the most to us, which is social audio, social networks, social platforms, and not neglecting, you know, your your website because that's really your your digital real estate. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm on Facebook, but when Facebook crashes, or when Instagram crashes, you don't know what to do with your business. So it's really good to keep those things in check so that you don't really lose out on, you know, what you could potentially be getting. So thank you so much for highlighting that. I really appreciate it. We have one more minute before I close off the hand raising and I'm going to, you know, pass it on to Ismail. Thank you so much for joining us. It'll be great to hear if you have a question or you have an add-on for us for...
1: Hey Faber, hi Rich. Thank you so much for creating this room. I, get, I gain a great deal of value from it.
0: My question is around the
1: EAT concept in Google for uh, quality content. So could you briefly describe how would a blogger or a you know entrepreneur
0: measure their EAT metrics to make sure they rank properly? Thank you.
1: That's a really good question. So if I'm right, EAT is expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. So I've heard this come up a lot. I know that was part of, I think it was the medic update with Google back in the day. Um, that's a good question. I, I think expertise comes down to how well you cover it. So a lot of that can go back to that competitive research aspect. So, you know, you're an expert on all you can put in the value that you can deliver. Um, but I think another approach that comes up is like the skyscraper technique I talk about sometimes, which is like, see what's out there, what else people are writing about and cover those concepts as well. Like ensure you're being comprehensive enough with that content is a big part. Um, authoritative, I think largely comes from backlinks. And as favor talked about before, like covering, like not having a site that has like one blog post on a topic. Being a little bit more comprehensive so having a bunch of posts about different pain points within a service or a product um, will help a lot of that and then some of it is building backlinks from reputable sites as well and uh, which is an important part of backlinks like you should try to get sites that are relevant to what you do um, that are a little bit more established as well because they're going to give you a little bit more of a push there trustworthiness not a hundred percent sure but i think some of those concepts do go into the backlinks as well, ensuring you're getting from good sources out there. And then uh, I think could blend into the SSL certificate as well, ensuring like your site is well configured for good user experience and you're protected in that regard. I don't know, if favor if you have anything to add there.
0: Yeah, you literally nailed everything. I really appreciate that you highlighted that you know sequence because when you have a site that is authoritative That also tells Google that you have a domain authority that stands out. Your domain authority could be five, but you have content that is ranking. It's, you can search for it. So you don't want to just write content for Google because you have content for Google, but I think you should also be looking at your Google search console. That's if you've connected it to your website and then look at your performance rankings and see what are the words and impressions that you're getting on your site. And then look at those long tail keywords and then match it back to what you have been doing organically for your website and then look and see okay i'm getting impressions for this but i'm getting zero clicks for this so how do i use this keyword to help the person that's trying to get to this particular article and finding it and then finding you worthy of you know staying on the site because that way that allows someone to become even closer to their problem being solved then you just, you know, spewing out content that is just like, okay, it's rankable. It's, you know, use image optimization, video optimization, but you've not really helped them. So I think at the end of the day, just to add on to what Rich says is that you want to have a call to action that is going to allow them to stay longer on your site. And what is that call to action? You want them to join your mailing list. You want them to buy the product you want them to refer to this link. You want them to learn more or here's a podcast for this. Because at the end of the day, people spend on average, it's way less than what I'm about to say, but if you have a good audience, you should be spending between one minute to two minutes on a site. So if your article is five minutes, then for reading time, for example, you want to be able to allow people to read that halfway through. Because if you if you have an article that's five minutes, then in 2.5 minutes, you should be able to have address the problem solve the problem and let them know when to come back because the article is for google to index but more importantly you want the user to have a better experience when they are finding your content that is researchable and is also creating that that mindset to stay connected to you so that when you have another related article they can know your article they can know the language because the language you also speak the jargon that you also create is also going to be something they're going to be getting used to so i believe it's in that whole trustworthiness that allows people to stay connected to your site throughout your process of building links as you keep going so i'm glad that you know you were able to bring this question to our table today um but was that able to help you answer your question absolutely thank you you're most welcome thank you so much for highlighting it rich is there anything that you want to say real quickly before we close because we just got to the top of the app
1: yeah for sure well um thank you for everyone who joined in this is great uh feel free to connect with me on linkedin send me any questions you have connect on clubhouse for sure uh i don't sell for Semrush, but i coach our sales team if you're interested reach out i can connect you with a rep to You know, our sales reps are very consultative, so they're not gonna try to sell you, but they can show you things you can take advantage of if you're interesting. But again, a lot of things I talked about today, there's lots of resources out there on Google, there's lots of resources in our blog that can help you get started at least. I think first step with SEO is to get started, Uh, start taking those steps and work on building it over time.
0: Thank you so much for highlighting that, I appreciate it. And now that we've gone to the top of the hour, Please make sure that you also click my Instagram bio and go to my story. At the end of the story, you're going to see a poll and you can choose between technical and on page so that we can be able to, you know, just let, I just want to see what you guys are more interested in learning about and seeing, because these are the rooms that allow us to stay connected and actually help you get better at what you're doing. So I'm going to use a two-step method. You can either go to Instagram and check out the story and I'm going to turn on the hand raising just for this, um, exercise so that I can be able to get to know more about how we can be able to help you in the, you know, forthcoming rooms. So if you are thinking more about technical SEO, just show me by raising your hand, just raise your hand for me. Um, if you're in the audience and I'll, I just want, I won't bring you up on stage. Just wanting to have an idea, technical SEO. If you have any questions or if you want to learn more about it in other rooms, just show by raising your hand. Okay, so we got zero for technical. What about on-page SEO? How many of you are thinking more on the lines of on-page SEO? Okay, so this tells me that none of nobody raised their hand so i understand that possibly there's a lot more work to be done which is totally fine but i really understand and i appreciate the fact that you are able to listen and take this notes because it can be overwhelming and sometimes you may not know what to do with the information so the replay is available in this club and the pinterest and seo marketing club so feel free to invite other people and also join this club so you can learn more about how you can be able to use your SEO for better, and you want to stay connected so that you can be able to have a better response. Now, I did a poll in the Facebook group, which I'm live in right now, for Pinterest and SEO marketing available in the pin link up above in this room. And tomorrow at 1 p.m., there's going to be a room Eastern time to tell you about how to prepare, you know, to cre- increase your sales revenue for 2022 with a strategy. So. These are things that you're going to need to help your business grow and expand. And sometimes people don't really know what they need to do because they want to post more or they want to link more. But there's some strategies that you need to take care of that can help you better. So if you're going to be here tomorrow at 1 p.m., please feel free to join us in the room. We're going to be here having an amazing discussion with you. And, you know, Rich, this is the second time you've been in this room with us in this club. So I really appreciate our connection. And I thank you so much for the time you've been able to give us this evening.
1: Thanks for having me. It's
0: been great. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. With that said, everyone have an amazing evening. Take care of yourselves and on Facebook and on Clubhouse. I'll see you guys tomorrow and I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks again. Bye for now.